welcome to the Storytellers Live podcast, where everyday women share stories of hope. I am Robin, and I'm here with Katie and Lindy, and we are so excited to be back yes. for season five. <laughs> so excited. If you're new here, you've, maybe you found us this summer, and you've heard some of our listener favorites, and this is your very first episode of a new season of Storytellers, I just want to tell you what Storytellers Live is about, and then we're each going to introduce ourselves yeah. a little bit so you know our voices and our names and and really what's happening in this space. <laughs> so Storytellers Live is just gatherings of women around the country sharing stories of what God's done in their life. Mm-hmm. Some of them are difficult. Some of them are fun and light and just everyday stories. Our hope and prayer is that you just find God in these stories where he showed up for them. And when you hear those stories, that you're then encouraged that he can show up for you in the same way. Mm-hmm. So thank you for joining us today. Like I said, I'm Robin, and I am the executive director of Storytellers Live and really am the story coach. That's what <laughs> I love. I find stories. I coach our storytellers on how to share. And that's my that's my jam. That's what I love. <laughs> yes. And I'm Lindy. I'm the development director for Storytellers Live, which means I get to work with our donors and also I focus on community engagement and work with some of our community team leaders. And Lindy also keeps us on track. You're, you're the queen of um I of spreadsheets. You were say I make you laugh. Oh, oh she doesn't make us laugh. <laughs> I do like to tap storytellers on the shoulder and say, hey, have we done this? So, and Lindy's yeah. also very, very talented in trying to get us involved with churches. So if you have a yes. local church that yes. wants to bring storytellers to your women's ministry, she is definitely the person to get in touch with. But my name is Katie, and I am the content director for Storytellers Live, which basically means I just have the privilege of being able to write a lot for the podcast, write for Instagram. And then also we have a Bible study that's called When God Shows Up. When God Shows Up was formerly Discover Your Story, and we have tweaked it just a little bit for ministry opportunities. And so we're just really excited about that. And I am super excited about today's story, Robin. I think it's going to speak to so many women out there. Y'all, I have to tell you that for years, we have been looking for a story on friendship. Mm -hmm. Years that we're going into our fifth season, and we keep notebooks of topics (laughs) that we want. And we never realized that finding a story on friendship was so difficult, but it is because usually friendship involves two people and there's been some rub or something difficult. And so today we have Stacy Morgan sharing her friendship story. And it was perfect when she started sharing It took everything in me to not jump out of my chair and go, this is the story we've been looking for. Because Stacy is a military wife. Not only that, her husband is an astronaut, the coolest thing ever. (laughs) But they've moved around. And so she has had to make friends in various places. And you'll hear in her story that it's not always been easy. Mm -hmm. And so I am thrilled because as women, as adults, as teenagers, friendship is never easy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she talks a lot about the loneliness that sometimes you feel when you cannot find those friends. And we all know that God is supposed to fill that hole in our life, but God also calls us into community. She talks more about that in a question that Robin asked at the end of the podcast. So be sure you stay tuned and listen to that. But I do think that one thing Stacy does is she is going to encourage you on stepping out of your comfort zone and looking actively for friends. Here she is. 
Before Stacy's story today, we do want to tell you more about Storytellers Live and specifically the Bible studies that we're offering. If you go to storytellerslive.org, you can see our two Bible studies. One is When God Shows Up, as Katie referenced before. It's an eight-week Bible study focusing on Storytellers Live podcast and coupling those podcasts with scripture, group discussion, and prayer prompts. We also have Discover Your Story, which is a guide to writing your own story and discovering God in the details of your life, where He has shown up, and then helping you write your own story in hopes that you'll share it one day. And something really exciting, along with the Bible study, is that this weekend we are doing a storyteller's retreat in Tupelo, Mississippi, where one of the storytellers from the Bible study, from When God Shows Up, will be speaking. And so if you want more information, we would love for you to join us. It's from 10 to 2 o'clock on Saturday at the Orchard Church in Tupelo, Mississippi. And you can find out more information at theorchard.net. And so that's this Saturday, August 21st. And we would love to see you there. If you come, please come introduce yourselves. We can't wait. Well, hi, my name is Stacy Morgan. I have four kids, two teenagers, two tweens. So pray for me. I'm an author, I'm a speaker, and I'm an executive leadership coach for Mops International. And I am married to Army Colonel and NASA astronaut Drew Morgan. That's that's one guy. He has both jobs. And because he is an Army officer, uh, we have lived all over the country. So I've kind of had to move and reinvent myself and find new people several times. But we now live just south of Houston, Texas, near Johnson Space Center. So I'm so excited to share my friendship story today because the older I get, the more important female friends becomes to me. Yet at the same time, the older I get, the harder I think it gets to not only find new friends, but develop those kind of baby acquaintances into something deeper and meaningful, like the authentic friendships that I'm looking for. And I feel like I need to start by saying, like, I am not a friendship expert. I don't think I am naturally good at making friends or being a good friends. I think I'm okay. I think I'm just average like most people. I'm not bad, but I'm not great. But as you'll hear in my story, God has really shown me that having close friends and being a good friend is not some kind of inherent trait that you're either born knowing how to do or not. I think knowing how to find and do adult female friendships is a lot more like learning how to cartwheel than it is something we are born knowing how to do. I think it's something that at least for me, I have had to learn and practice And in the beginning, it feels weird and awkward, but I know that if I keep at it and I'm a little more brave and a little less worried about getting hurt, that eventually I figure it out. And the more I practice, the better and better I get. But when it comes to friendships, just like cartwheels, even when you're doing things perfectly, there is always going to be some risk and there's always going to be a chance that you're going to get hurt. But we have to do it because I know that God has designed us with this friend-shaped hole in our hearts. And as I have so painfully learned in my life, no amount of shopping or exercise or chocolate cake or the most delightful of children or fantastic marriages or wonderful parents or beautiful homes can fill that friend-shaped hole in my heart. And for me, when that hole is empty, it creates a longing so deeply inside my soul that it becomes almost physically painful. And Loneliness becomes not just some kind of feeling in my head or my heart. It feels like a physical ache. And while I think every woman has seasons of loneliness and times when friendship seems scarce or fragile, that is not what God wants for us as a lifestyle. I mean, we are made to live in community and with friends. And I know that's what he wants for me. And I think he wants that for every woman. So let me start my friendship story. It really begins 
after the birth of my oldest son, which is, I can't believe it, 17 years ago. And prior to becoming a mom, I don't really remember feeling loneliness like the kind I started to feel once I became a mom. And I don't know if that's because I was working in an office and you're interacting with other adults all day. But all I know is about two months my son was born, I woke up one morning and I don't know if it was like my brain had gotten a little more rest and able to kind of work again, but I realized I was lonely and lonely in a way that I had really never felt before. And so I did what most new moms do. I met a woman at the baby clinic who looked like she had a baby the same age as me while we were there for our like, you know, weekly weigh-ins or whatever. And we set up a baby play date. And so every week or so we'd get together and we'd scatter some toys on the floor and we would sit and we would watch our kids ignore each other while we chatted about diaper rash and nursing bras and whether we thought it was okay to give our kids peanut butter or whatever. And I know that to outsiders, especially people who do not have kids yet, when they see moms talking about that kind of stuff, they assume like, wow, they're talking about like babies and parenting, like they must be great friends. But moms know that that is just mom small talk. Like we are not diving deep. We are not sharing our hearts or bearing our souls. I think we were doing what most women naturally do, which is we were talking about whatever was right in front of us. And we were staying squarely in that safe acquaintance space. And that is a super comfortable space to be because there is no risk and it feels really effortless because it is, there's really very little effort involved. Now, there's not a lot of soul filling either, but honestly, at that time, I figured maybe this is what it's like to have mom friends. Like, this is what mom friendship looks like. We just talk about our kids. And I think that's how I would have stayed forever in that kind of acquaintance relationship space. And over time, that baby blanket would just have changed to the side of the soccer field or the audience of the ballet class or whatever my kids were involved in. And my friendships would have just scraped the surface and just checked the boxes, you know, filling my calendar, but not really filling that friend-shaped space in my heart. But God had other plans. He really wanted me to taste something different. So when my son was about 18 months old, Uncle Sam told us that it was time to move back to the East Coast to Fort Bragg, North Carolina. And there was another woman moving there at the same time. And her name was Lisa. And I'd known Lisa for years. Our husbands had gone to medical school together, but it had been years since we had socialized. And that was back before we had kids when we were both working women. So now coming back together, it was like we were getting to know each other again in this new phase of life. So she got to town about three weeks before we did. And so while we were still driving across the country, she called me up on the phone and she said, hey, I have it all figured out. So this is the grocery store that we're going to want to go to because you don't have to worry about coupons. And this is the gym that we're going to join because they have a military discount. And that's super important. And um, I know your theological bend. So this is the church. So you're probably going to want to try first. And um, here's the name of the Moms Morning Out program you're going to want to look into. And oh, by the way, I've already signed us up for the best moms group in town, which is a mops group, of course. And oh, by the way, I've already met a great group of women who are other army wives, and I cannot wait to introduce them to you. So you can't tell Lisa's amazing networker and researcher. And look, there are times in my life when I want to do the research and put in the work and really own my unique life decisions. But this was not one of those times. I was more than happy. Actually, I was thrilled to grab onto Lisa's coattails and just go wherever she led me. And Lisa was my seed friend in that she did, in fact, introduce me to the circle of women 
who would become my inner friend circle and my primary emotional support. And on paper, those five years we lived in North Carolina should have been some of the hardest of my life. Between deployments and training trips and military schools, my husband Drew was gone for almost three of those five years. We had two more kids slipped in between deployments. So now I had three kids under the age of six. I had no family ties to the area. You know, the war was really getting hot and heavy. So it was not unusual to have to go to a memorial service for friends or comrades who were getting killed in action. It was a very stressful and challenging time. And yet, surrounded by this group of friends, those five years were some of the best of my life. And we became what my friend Lisa called baloney is on sale friends. And so baloney is on sale friends are friends that you are doing life together so closely, it changes everything. So baloney is on sale friends have to live in the same town as you because you have to be driving on the same roads. You got to experience the same weather. You got to shop at the same stores, you know, all the same life you know, minutia. And then you have to share the same big values. And we were all believers and we were all military wives. We all understood, you know, service and sacrifice and duty. And then you have to trust each other so deeply that you are willing to admit maybe behind closed doors that not only do you feed your kids baloney, but that you feed them so much of it that when they are at the grocery store and they see that it is on sale, they will call you and tell you like, get in your car, you need to get over there and stock up because baloney is on sale. And these are the kind of friends that your soul longs for. And it was amazing to have those friends in my life for five years. So when Uncle Sam told us it was time to move to Virginia, I got in the car and I just cried like a baby. I pretty much cried all the way from North Carolina to Virginia. I knew I would never have a friendship circle like that again. And it's true. Like it is impossible to replicate a friendship experience in a new place with new people, but you can find something just as good, which is what happened in Virginia. So we moved to Fort Belvoir, which is a military base just outside of Washington, DC. And the housing office assigned us a house in a little loop of six identical houses. And if you're not familiar with military bases, the way the housing office makes that assignment is usually by the service member's rank. So in this case, my husband's rank and by the number of kids you have. So that meant that everyone on my little loop was about the same age as I was because all of our husbands in this case were the same rank. Uh, Of course, we had the same shared military lifestyle and wartime experience. And everyone had at least as many kids as I did. In fact, with four kids at this point, I had the least number of kids on this loop. So in essence, Uncle Sam was my seed friend and the housing office, just by dropping me into that house, dropped me into the middle of a community. And right away, I met two neighbors who became my baloney is on sale, Virginia friends. And we did everything together and we talked about everything together and we worked and we played together and we did ministry together. And because our literally identical homes faced each other like front doors, a hundred feet apart from each other. We were completely immersed in each other's lives and looking in each other's windows, whether we wanted to or not, there were no secrets, but it was great because they were my people. So in 2013, when my husband drew was selected by NASA and we needed to move to Texas, I got in the car and I cried like a baby again. But in the back of my mind, I thought to myself, look, you've done this before. You're going to be sad for like a few days, but like, you're going to meet some people and in a matter of a couple of weeks tops, you will find your baloney is on sale friends, but that is not what happened at all. 
So we got to Texas and I unpacked the boxes and got my kids in school. And then I started doing all the things that I'd always done before, like going to a mops group, working out at the gym, you know, I'm volunteering, I'm meeting my neighbors, I'm going to church, but I was not making any friends. Now I had met plenty of friendly people, but none of them had really clicked as friends. And with each passing week, I got more and more confused and more and more discouraged. And it felt like everywhere I looked, there were just circles of women laughing (laughs) that I just couldn't crack into. It was like these circle groups with these no vacancy signs. And the more and more I saw them, the more and more jealous I got of these women who had the audacity to flaunt their friendships in front of God and man, you know, and I just became more and more angry about it. And really my anger was just a secondary emotion to that jealousy and the grief I was feeling about leaving my old friends and the loneliness that was really starting to gnaw on me from the inside out. So every day my husband drew one off to work with his, you know, his new coworkers, his new best friends. And I was left at home just seething in my bitterness and resentment that I was all alone. And after a few months, that loneliness really started to affect me. I wasn't just sad. I was mad and I was a delight to live with. Let me tell you, my fuse was so short and heaven help the kid or the husband who happened to look at me the wrong way. And I really began to internalize this loneliness as part of myself and wonder if like maybe loneliness is just part of being an adult woman. Like maybe this is my life now. Maybe my experiences in North Carolina and Virginia were just flukes. Like maybe this is the best kept secret of adult women. And that especially moms, you know, there's an in crowd and there's an out crowd. And as someone clearly on the out that like secretly every woman is just as incredibly lonely as I am. And that's just how it is. And that maybe to expect anything other than that is just like fantasy. And really, God had no place in my conversation with myself about friendships. I think at the time, I felt like I was calling out to him for help. But really, I was so laser focused on the pain of my loneliness that I was just really emotionally and spiritually curled up in a ball. And I was not listening to anything or anyone except my own lonely voice. So it got to the six month mark where I had no friends and I found myself at the end of my emotional rope. And that ache from that emptiness in my heart was just so painful. And I felt so alone. One day I just had a bit of an emotional breakdown. I had just pulled into the parking lot at the YMCA. And instead of getting out of my car, I just sat there kind of staring out the windshield. And then I just put my forehead down on my steering wheel and began to cry like a big, ugly, messy, miserable crying. And so I picked up my cell phone and I called my friend, Lisa, who still a great friend, but you know, not my bologna is on sale friends. At this point, we're living on opposite coasts of the United States, but she mercifully answered on the second ring. And I immediately launched into crying and whining about how miserable I was. And I told her how lonely I was and how I had no friends, how resentful I was of Drew for bringing us here. Like this is a mess. And I just laid it all out. And being the good friend that she is, she listened and she validated all of my feelings. But then she did something that only the wisest of friends do. And she asked me a question and she said, so what are you going to do about it? And I was like, what? Like, what do you mean? Like, I am the victim. I have no friends. I am all alone. And she was like, I know. And I am so sorry. It is so hard to be alone. But what are you going to do about it? 
And that simple question changed everything. In that moment, I realized that as a 35-year-old woman, I never really had to work hard for friends before. That Lisa and Uncle Sam had been my seed friends in the past. And that with someone else to grease those friendship skits for me, I was lost. I really did not know how to make new friends. And I realized that I'd been living my life in this friendship fantasy land where I imagined that one day I'd be sitting in my living room and the phone would ring. And on the other end would be a woman with just this incredibly kind and yet kind of fascinating voice who would say, hi, Stacy, you don't know me, but I hear that you are amazing. And get this, I am amazing too. Would you like to be best friends? And I would be like, yes. And fast forward, we'd take every summer vacation together and our kids would marry each other and we'd spend the rest of our lives together in friendship bliss, right? But that is not how adult female friendships work. And I think deep down inside, I knew that, that that's just a crazy fantasy. Realized I needed to take Lisa's advice and do something. And I realized that finding friends is an active pursuit, not an passive lucky encounter. Like we are not in kindergarten anymore. It takes effort because for six months I'd been trying the hopes and dreams, rainbows and unicorns, no effort way of making friends. And clearly it wasn't working. So being a strategic thinker, I came up with a plan. So I decided to reserve every Wednesday from nine to noon for friend making. And I decided that I would invite a different woman over to my house for coffee every week until I made friends. My husband called it Friends Day. It's like, so clever. So that's what I did for three months straight. Now, I have to tell you, when I started, I didn't actually know 12 women. I mean, in that six months that I'd lived there so far, I had definitely made eye contact or polite conversation with 12 women. Now I actually had to approach them and kind of officially introduce myself and then ask if they wanted to get together. And then worst of all, oh my gosh, I had to ask them for their phone number so that I could text them. And um, the first few times I did this, I was so nervous, you know, and I thought to myself, Am I the mom equivalent of that sleazy guy from the bar asking for your phone number? Like, is this my life now? And just when I'd start to question myself and like every life decision I'd ever made that had brought me to that point, they'd smile and they'd say, sure. And they would give me their number. And then once I had that number, I was persistent. And every week I would text a different woman about having coffee on Wednesday. And if she couldn't do that week, I'd ask her about the next one. And if she couldn't do that one, I'd ask her about the next one. And I just didn't give give up, even though I will tell you at times I really wanted to. I mean, it was really hard to keep putting myself out there and staying humble and staying open But it was worth it because more than anything, I did not want to feel that loneliness ache anymore. Now, not every coffee date was a home run. (laughs) Some of those coffee dates really dragged across the finish line. But some of them, you know, we could have sat on my couch and talked forever, right? And some of them introduced me to other women that kept help extending my circle of possible friends. So when it was all over... I had a few keepers, you know, women who I had really clicked with and who I was ready to really invest in. And I realized that while I had been so nervous to approach these women because it looked to me from the outside like they already had friends or that they were so busy, the reality was they were lonely too. And that most of them were doing exactly what I had been doing, which is waiting at home for someone else to reach out to me. And I realized everyone is waiting on everyone else but somebody has to make the first move. 
And God really pressed on that loneliness ache in my heart and reminded me that if I wanted to have friends, it needed to be me. And not just in the initial reach out, but in the continual investment and intentional pursuit of deepening that friendship. Somebody has to go first. Someone has to keep making a move. And that deepening of relationships from acquaintance to friend to soul-filling baloney is on sale friend does not happen organically on its own. That's just simply not how the adult world or adult relationships work. It takes effort and persistence and time. And so over time, and with a lot of effort and intentionality, some of those women became my Texas Bologna's on sale friends. And now they fill that space in my heart, but it was tough and it took endurance. And I am constantly reminded that a friendship is not a one and done kind of endeavor. I mean, God showed me firsthand that it is hard work finding friends and being good friends and that it can be painful and it can be exhausting and it can be discouraging, but it is so worth it because it fills that empty space in my heart. But more than just reducing that pain, finding friends is essential to my becoming the person that God wants me to be. And through this journey of just putting myself out there over and over and over again, I have learned so much about myself, but more importantly about God. Because in my pursuit of others, you can't help but reflect on how far and how long God pursues me in order to have a relationship. In my sacrifices that I make for my friends in order to deepen those acquaintances into authentic, trusting friendships, God reminds me how much he has sacrificed in order to be in a relationship with me. And he so often shows himself to me through the love and the words of my friends. And in my friendship journey, God often prompts me to act in ways that are contrary to my selfish, egocentric nature. But when I do what he asks of me, when I do what I know a good friend would do, God reveals facets of himself to others through me. And so God wants me to have deep, authentic friendships, not just selfishly for myself or to fill my own soul, but so that I can be his hands and feet and serve others in friendship. And so I know that God has designed me, really designed all of us to need friends and that that longing we feel in our soul when we don't have it is part of his grand design made to draw us back to him, you know, the creator of all things through my friendship with other women. And when I began to see friendships as not just something God you know, wants for me to fill my own personal needs, but as the way he keeps me in community and in accountability and as a way to serve others. You know, then you realize that friendship is a continuous pursuit and that even after I find my baloney is on sale friends, I should always be looking for other women to bring into my circle. And that for many of us, being a seed friend is our mission field. You know, when I was younger, I used to be terrified of the dear God, here I am, send me prayer because I was so afraid that if I said with my whole heart, I will go where you want me to go that he would tell me he wanted me to pack up and become a missionary in some third world country with dirt floors and giant bugs. And like, that's just not me. I wish it was, but it's just not. But now I see that while I was holding back, like afraid of the crazy place he might send me, all God wanted me to do was cross the street and make a new friend and then do it again and again. And so I've learned that finding and being a good friend, it is not easy. It is hard work that continuously takes time and sacrifice and humility but it is a sacred undertaking. 
You know, there were so many things that Stacy spoke on that just really touched me. I mean, one one of the biggest things, and I think this is because we as women sometimes just tend, we tend to be insecure mm-hmm. and we tend to believe a lot of lies in our head mm-hmm. that are just not true. And one of the things that she said was how she was looking around at friend groups. This is when <laughs> she moved to Texas. And she said it was all these people were so happy and it's, it was as if they were all holding a no vacancy sign yes. on their friend groups. Um, I've also heard, I think, Lindy, you use this, is that you've <laughs> put in your, uh, what is it, you, you put in your application and it got denied. Right, well, yeah, her friendship application process is closed. Oh, yeah. You know, right? yeah She's yeah. no longer taking applications right, for friends. Right, But I do think that that's an easy lie for us to mm-hmm. sit in and to believe. And so then we just don't do anything else about it. We sit there and we wallow in our self-pity and we say, woe is me, and we feel sorry for ourselves. And then, you know, my tendency a lot of times, which is exactly what she did, is, you know, you get a little bitter and angry mm-hmm. at God. Like, why, yeah. why are you not bringing something? someone into my life. And I loved her friend Lisa's challenge. (laughs) Well, what are you going to do about it? Yes. And it really, really spoke to me of how to be a friend. That was one thing that I learned through her story. What am I doing to pursue and sacrifice for the friendships that I do have? And Lindy says this to me a lot, you know, in giving advice to my daughter is just look for the person that is sitting there alone and go and reach out to them. That was a couple of things that really spoke to me through Stacy's story. I I Mm -hmm. liked the practical perspective that she had of, okay, so I reserved Wednesdays. Yes. I'm going to reach out to somebody. I think as women that it's it's interesting, you go through different seasons of friendships. Uh, me personally, my children, I'm, I'm facing being an empty mm-hmm. nester. Well, a lot of my adult friendships are based on our kids' relationships. Yes. And so now that those children are no longer around, that particular relationship might change. I mean, right. people that I used to talk to on a regular basis, I no mm-hmm. longer talk to as much. And I think I've found too in that I'll feel guilty for that season. Like, oh, I need to be keeping up with that person. Mm-hmm. Or I am it's- a connector. I, I do reach out to people. So then I feel this responsibility. And I felt this responsibility to keep these friendships going. Mm -hmm. And I felt such a freedom in hearing her saying, you know what, there are seasons Mm -hmm. for friendship. Mm -hmm. And not only that, it's so easy for me to take my two best Mm -hmm. friends from when I, before I was married and before we had kids who we are still very, very close friends, but I can hold all other friendships to that standard. Mm -hmm. When that's not the case, like those are still two dear friends, but friendships today look different and it's okay to have your friendships look different in different seasons and not everybody needs to fill that same role. Yeah. Well, and the lie that everybody else has a group or everybody else has friends and I'm just sitting at home by myself. And thank you, social media, for that. (laughs) Yes. Yes. You know, we talk about that with our with our girls especially, is just get off social media. Don't compare, you know, your what's going on in your friendship group with what's going on with everybody else or, you know, seeing what they what they're posting about, sitting in the lie of I wasn't invited. They don't like me. And also, we put our own narrative on other people. So we say, they're so busy. They have so many friends. I know personally, I hear this a lot. It's like, well, you're so busy or Mm -hmm. you have so many friends. And I'm like, really? I don't. (laughs) (laughs) And that is a pet peeve. People will say, oh, well, I know you're so busy. And I'm going, no, I'm really not. No, Please, I would love for you for to lunch. call me for dinner yeah. or yes. go yes. walking or and I think too the older I've gotten, for me, I've 
started asking people to do things in something I'm already doing, like exercising. Mm. I love to walk the neighborhood. So I've started inviting people that I want to get to know or that are friends that I don't get to see. Now that we work so much with storytellers, it's shifted. Mm -hmm. I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh, but I do go walking and they can join me there. Right. Well, you know, we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast about how, you know, a lot of times we think, well, God should be filling that friend-shaped hole. I mean, his word does tell Mm -hmm. us that he placed eternity in our hearts. And so we do have a whole for God to fill, but God also created us for community. And when Robin actually was able to record Stacy, she asked this question to her, and I thought Stacy had such a great response. I want you to hear her answer. Here she is. I think it's a it's a easy trap to fall into when when friendship feels hard, when you start feeling like you're living on the out, and you start like I did at one point, really internalizing this feeling of like. It shouldn't be this hard, you know, maybe this loneliness is part of my life. You start getting into the kind of like this John the Baptist mindset, like, well, maybe I've been called to be alone in the wilderness and maybe I am just banging my head against the wall. And, you know, I think it's, we start justifying our loneliness as a calling. And I think while there may certainly be people out there that God calls to live on an island and be alone and eat locusts. Um, I, I'm not going to tell somebody if they really feel that's calling that it's not. But I think most of the time, I think for most of us, God has called us into community. I mean, we know that like when we are alone, it is not good for man to be alone, right? It wasn't good for Adam to be alone. It's certainly not good for us to be alone. Because I know for myself, when I'm alone, I start hearing my own voice much louder than I should. I think God calls us so that we have people around us who speak the truth when our own voice is too loud. And we just start to become very egocentric in terms of the world feeling like it revolves around us and and serving others is kind of like a task instead of a relationship that we're doing. I mean, I think we just, he just designs us to be that way. And we may have seasons where we are in the friendship wilderness, but look, those 40 years end, you got to come out to the promised land, right? Like I believe that he really does have someone in mind, but We also have to let go of the expectations of what those friends might look like. You know, there may not look like the friends you had the last place you lived or when you were working or when your kids were younger or in a different activity. Like, that's why I think you have to stay humble and be like, look, God, just bring me the people that you want in my life, even if they don't look or sound or act like what I imagine my ideal friends (laughs) would look like. Just bring, and, and when we stay open to that and humble, I think, I think he honors that. And sometimes it takes time longer than we would like, but it happens eventually. We have to keep going though. We just can't give up. We hope that you have loved Stacy's story as much as we have today and that you've learned from it. We challenge you to go reach out to somebody today. If you're feeling lonely, if you're feeling isolated, Stacy has given us exact mm-hmm. steps on how to reach out and make friends. And so thanks for listening. If you are new here or if you're not new here and you don't know how to find us, we're at storytellerslive.org. You can find us on social media at Storytellers Lab Podcast. You can join our email list for updates of what we have going on at our website. And we would just love for you to connect with us. We'd love to hear feedback on our stories of how God has used them in your life. And so we just know that we check those and we love hearing back from you. Have a great week. Bye.